When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm Chase. I'm here with James. And today we're going to talk a bit about Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Jalen McDaniels, and LaMelo Ball. We're recording fresh off of the Hornets win over the Knicks at Madison Square Garden behind a career high 38 points for Miles Bridges. We're just going to get right into it. James, how are you feeling right now? Well, firstly, afternoon games, always a big fan and best defensive game of the season. I think it held the opponents the lowest number of points, 87 points. 97 to 87. I feel like I'm back in the uh, the mid 2000s. This is this is old school basketball, like from the Larry Brown game. era. Um, but yeah, I mean the the offense wasn't exactly humming tonight for Charlotte, but Miles Bridges. I mean, the first quarter, which I know because of work you could only watch the the first half, but like you said, you said to me before we start recording, the first quarter is all you needed to watch. I mean. Career game. What, what I mean, how lucky are we to record a podcast right after career game? Um, obviously, from that first quarter, what, what did you see? What, what was impressing you about Miles Bridges' start? I mean, he the sh- his shooting obviously came back to him at the snap of a finger. He went five for nine from three over the game, five of five from the line, 14 of 20. 38 points on 70% shooting is like completely ridiculous. He had a beautiful step back three. He just seemed so much more comfortable shooting off of the dribble and creating for himself than he had been in the last, like really like almost two months dating back to that 30 point game stretch that he had to start the season. He just looked so comfortable out there. It was awesome. It it was, it it was really cool to see him come out and have that game of his career on MLK day as well. At Madison square garden. Yeah. At MSG with Kemba on the sidelines too. Like it it was, it was uh, the post-game interview uh, with Ashley Shamady when Kemba walked up to him was like, that, that it like brings a tear to your eyes as a Hornets yeah. fan, like watching Kemba come up and like be like, this is it, Miles. Like you're here now, man. That got me in the feels, Chase. It was, that, that was awesome. You yeah. know, when you get like the little shiver and you're like, oh, damn it. Like you can't, can't cry at a basketball game, James. You know that? Because yeah. I was watching the end of the game. I was like, Miles, he's looking for Kemba to shake his hand. Where is he? And then he like, he, he got near him and he just turned around. And I was like, no, Miles, Kemba was right there. And then literally they cut to Ashley and he's right there. I mean, 
Firstly, if I'm a Knicks fan, I don't know how I feel about our injured player going up to the other team and like the end of their broadcast and being like, oh, my guy. <laughs> but I mean, for the Hornets, it, it was awesome for, for Kemba to be there. And I think Miles Bridges just loves playing against Julius Randle because I think in the earlier game, I probably should have looked this up before we start recording the podcast, um, when the Hornets beat the Knicks, Miles iced the game from memory with like a spinning drive where he spun and then kind of laid it up and had a really big game. And I think he went, he did the through the legs dunk as well because Obi Toppin did one in the last game. So I think Miles likes playing the Knicks. I think he loves playing against Julius Randle. He can just, he's completely comfortable. Randle doesn't have the length to bother him on his like step back threes. He also doesn't have the foot speed to stick with him when he drives to the rim and change to the right hand. I mean, just the best game, probably the best game about Miles Bridges' career. And that's not hyperbole. I know he scored 38 points, but 12 rebounds, five assists, one turnover. And he also made loads of good assists that ended up in fouls. There was one for Plumlee, I know, particularly that ended up in a foul, another one for Haywood. Um, he was dishing, like the pass that he made, I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was to Plumlee, where he kind of like dribbled into the paint, faded away. And then just as two Knicks came towards him, he just laid it straight off. Um, that was some special stuff tonight, and uh, I'm got a lot of people are watching because MLK Day was one of the best early games. Um, oh, it was just awesome to see, just completely dominant. And you definitely should get some all star voting bump after a game like that at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, absolutely. He dropped down uh, one spot to ninth in the second fan voting update that came between the last podcast when we discussed uh, his candidacy and this one. I would imagine that this might bump him back up to seven or eight, the, just this one game. I mean, because do, doing it in New York is like a totally different thing. And the, I believe the game was on NBA TV as well. So not necessarily a national TV game, but the closest thing you can get to a national TV game without being on ESPN or TNT. So definitely a great game for Miles. It was it was awesome to see. And it was just being in a game where, I mean, obviously Lamelo's out, but the offense in general just wasn't, very good like you said like there there he made five threes and terry made four hayward and cody made two after that and nobody else made one like there there just wasn't a very even yeah. distribution of offense terry wasn't overly efficient cody martin and hayward weren't overly efficient nobody off the bench i mean they had seven bench points that it was it was all miles and they won by 10 and he, he was just consistent the entire game like it, it was yeah. it was it was incredible he put the team on his back no, no Lamelo, no Ubre. A lot of your scoring on there. A lot of your creation with Lamelo as well. You, you needed that game from Miles tonight. I, I know, I know, it was really a twenty-point game. It, it wasn't actually, uh, you know, a ten-point game how it finished. But um, yeah, I mean, no, an eleven-point shot- fourth quarter from from the Hornets. You know, yeah. took a little bit away from what could have been like a quote-unquote blowout to you know just a normal like. 10-point win. But they played great defense in that fourth yeah. quarter. They still held the Knicks to 20, like, even though their offense was, was struggling. But, I mean, the best shots of the night, you, you've got three different shots from Miles, which you could arguably, like, that, I mean, you might not have seen some of these if you've not seen the second half, but he had a three where he literally ended up in the crowd at the end of a shot clock where two Knicks were closing out on him, which was, he wasn't even on the court when it went in. He was literally in the crowd after fading away. That was incredible. He had, you might have seen this one as a clip, he caught it in the right corner and drove to the rim and kind of reverse and double clutched it with his left hand. That was just that was magical. incredible. I, yeah, yeah, I watched that one. I saw that one come up on Twitter while I was working, and I yeah. that one it stopped me in my tracks a little bit. There was the other one where he 
kind of, it looks like it must be a travel of some sort. I think the ref's got the call wrong, but where he kind of, he lost the ball as he was driving and then threw it up and then tapped his own rebound. And then he had the put back dunk as well, which is pretty early as well. So, I mean, already like it's three, four clips there that like, if you ask a lot of NBA players, what's like one of your best plays of your career, he literally had three of them in the game. So he was seeing a huge basket, Miles Bridges coming up big, big game, big win that, bouncing back off the magic. Um, New York Knicks right behind the Hornets in the standings. Huge game. So, yeah, props to Miles Bridges. I know we talked about him a lot, but when you have a performance like that, you deserve to be talked about and you deserve to get your props. So next topic, you brought this up to me through our Twitter DM when we were planning the show for today. You want to talk about P.J. Washington's offense specifically. See, I, I, I was a little bit surprised when you brought that up because I had I, I knew he wasn't shooting very well, but I had dug into it and he is like really not shooting well. He's below 25 percent over the last seven or eight games. Uh, I mean, he's he's averaging a lot more turnovers per game than he normally does. Uh, he's still being a, a very a, he's still been a very good defender over that stretch. But I mean, it's not been a good good stretch for him offensively. Uh, what what were your what were your thoughts that you wanted to give give out uh, on that? Yeah, so last five games with PJ, and we should point out PJ is coming back from COVID protocol, right? So there is understandable times to be a little bit of fatigue. It affects everyone differently. So there could be a very good reason to this, and I'm not too worried in the long term. But when you look at the last five games, he is at 23 minutes per game, uh, six points, seven rebounds two and a half assists a steal and 0.6 blocks like you said 2.8 turnovers which is way higher than his, his kind of normal rating 37 percent from the field 24 percent from three overall like the three-point shot's been the weird one he's got a bunch of great looks and they're just bouncing out at the moment and and that will come around but the other big thing here is four fouls and when you're playing against Giannis and Embiid, you can understand getting into foul trouble. Like I, I couldn't, you, in fact, sometimes it's just a better thing to do than let those guys hit their spots. But now against both Orlando and the Knicks, he's gotten foul trouble. And I'm beginning to worry. It's not just, oh, matching up against a superstar that like he got three fouls in the first half tonight. He went straight to the bench. And that's definitely affecting his offensive rhythm when you're having to come out the game, you're having to worry about, not playing, um, you know, not picking up a charge or picking up something on defense. I also found his like finishing around the rim really tentative. Like he's catching the ball at the moment and you can see that he's he's looking around and he's pausing and pump faking because he doesn't back himself to, to score in the interior when he's getting the balls. And on some of these cuts, you know, there's two people helping on, on Miles or Gordon or Lamelo in these games. PJ's the open man. And if he can't catch it and then go up and finish then he's clogging up the offense and he got blocked once tonight. And then after that, he was scared every time he caught the ball. So it's not just the shot. I think the turnovers are up, the fouls are up and he's struggling to finish around the rim. Um, I just hope it's, it's a slump kind of related to COVID. It's nothing long-term. We've heard PJ Washington's name be listed out there by a couple of outlets now as, as available. I think Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported that the, the Hornets were looking to, potentially make Washington available ahead of kind of needing to maneuver their cap space a little bit this summer with Miles Bridges and Cody Martin. And we, we discussed that before PJ Washington trades and why that makes sense. Do you think this is more of just that he's getting his legs back under him? Do you think he could have been affected a little bit about 
being in some of those rumors. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I feel like it could probably be an amalgamation or a combination of all those things because throughout, I mean, he's still only halfway through his third season, but inconsistency has kind of been something that he struggled with just Mm -hmm. in general throughout his career, regardless of, you know, whether he's recently been in trade rumors or had COVID or anything like that. He's just had bouts of where he just cannot hit a shot for a couple weeks at a time. Or, I mean, he's, he's had trouble with fouls before as well in the past. I mean, and I guess I shouldn't say, like I said earlier, he had been a great defender because he wasn't great against the Knicks or Orlando, but he had, he has still been very good defending superstars. So it's not like he's just completely lost it, obviously, but there's just something, something missing. Like I, I, it, it, it probably is just a combination of everything that has been going on lately. Uh, and he's just not shooting well. And sometimes players just don't shoot well. And when that happens, like you, it, it can bleed into your confidence in other areas and can lead you to, you know, hesitate times that you shouldn't, which can lead to turnovers and fouls and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm with you where I think he'll, he'll probably straighten it out eventually. Like it's already been like 10 ish games of this, like pretty bad slump that he's been going through. So it'll, I think it'll turn around soon, but I mean, it's definitely, it hasn't, it, he, his defense has been good, but if his offense was, up to par like the hornets would pro- would be like a machine right now yeah the, the hornets have been winning you know in spite of pj's offensive struggles i like i said i do agree his defense was good i think in those books and and sixes games generally you know but the last two games it's just he's, he's got to be able to control the fouls he's got to hit his open shots he's got to have confidence finishing around the rim um I don't think his rotation spot is under threat at all. Nick Richards coming in behind him. I, I don't think that's something that's going to happen. He, he he does too many other things and we've seen flashes before, but like you said, we now know PJ Washington is been consistently inconsistent since his rookie year. He goes on these great runs and then the next night he's, you know, I think nothing sums it better than I think he had 42 against the Kings last season. And then he finished up by like a lean five game stretch where he like barely hit a shot. And that's why I think you can't pencil PJ Washington in in the future for this roster as anything other than a, a what he is doing at the moment, like a 23, 25-minute guy off the bench. I mean, if you get a, a real center instead of Plumley, those minutes are probably going down again. And next season, you're going to have to pay him not this offseason, but the one after. I just think he's going to be a little bit too expensive for that role. So I, I still think the Hornets will look to get offers. I would really hope he snaps out the street because it's always easier to trade a guy when he's playing well. And if he plays like this up until the deadline, I definitely think some of those options that are out there might not be there anymore. So need, need to have a big bounce back game from PJ over the next couple of weeks. All right. We'll take a quick ad break here. We'll be back in a couple of minutes to talk about Jalen McDaniels and LaMelo Ball. See you guys soon. All right, we're back here to talk about Jalen McDaniels and his rotation spot. See, I don't, to me, I'll, I'll, I'll start us off here. To me, I don't necessarily think his rotation spot is in trouble, but he's definitely not been shooting well. And for a player who's like really two main like ways to provide value to the Hornets are shooting and versatile defense. It's hard to like make a big defensive impact in 15 minutes per game, which is like likely what he's going to get on this team throughout the rest of the year if they're fully healthy. So he really needs to shoot efficiently. 
to make any sort of like neutral or positive impact. And that hasn't happened lately in the last five games. He is shooting 11.8% from three and 24.2% from the field. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been fine defensively. Like there's never been a point where he's been bad on defense, but it's not, it's hard to outweigh an 11.8 three point percentage on 3.4 attempts per game too. It's not like he's taking like, like one and just missing all of them every game. There's a sizable uh, amount of attempts here that have led to him taking quite a dive, but, and, but like PJ, he's, he's been slump. It's been a pretty similar stretch of games to where their shooting has just kind of fallen off of a cliff. Yeah. How, so you mentioned that, you know, he's not been shooting well. You don't think his rotation spot isn't under threat. How, how long, how long do you give it until if he keeps playing like he is at the moment, how he has the last four or five games, how long do you give it? And then if you do change it up, what are you, what are you doing? See, I, see, I, I don't know like how long to give it like from a perspective of like what I think Borrego would do, because we're still, they're still only playing eight guys like Nick Richards played. Well, two I'm, minutes I'm asking you, I'm asking you coach Whitney. Okay. Okay. Co- coach Whitney. If, if let, at what point do you say Jalen, you know, you start the season shooting really well. You really struggled. You've not found a rhythm. And I'm just going to try I'm going to try someone else tonight. And we might come back to you. We might not. But uh, I think, you know, I've given it long enough now. We're, we're going to try someone else. And who, who, do you, who would you go with? I don't know. It would probably be – it would probably have to be fairly soon. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's tough, though, because the Hornets are – they're not losing games necessarily. So it's hard to really – penalize like the players that are on the court right now because he's not shooting well he's not playing all that well in general compared to how well he had been playing earlier in the year but it's not necessarily resulting in losses I mean unless uh, they're I mean they had two losses to Phoenix and Washington and then Orlando those are the only games they've lost since December 20th like that's almost a month like that it's hard to you know pull people out of the rotation right now but if it started to go sour like that would be the time where you'd have to make some sort of adjustment, not maybe not like for games long, but McDaniels plays eight minutes and like book night or JT Thor play 12 minutes or something like that. Or, and just to see if that any kind of spark can be given on either end. And they're just for the sake of getting young players, NBA minutes, like in the regular season when you can, because realistically the the Hornets sitting four games above 500 right now in mid January, like you're kind of playing with house money. Like it's, this is a very good position to be sitting in when your team's like fully healthy right now. So I don't know. It's, it's really tough though. Cause I, he has been mostly really good this season and I'm on cleaning the glass right now. I think a big part of the reason he's been shooting so poorly from three lately, he's only at 28% on corner threes, eight for 29 and he's at 44% on non-corner threes, which is in the 95th percentile in the NBA. So if he could just start hitting a little bit more of those corner threes, I feel like it would probably even out fairly quickly because he does, he gets a fair amount of those looks. I mean, he's taken 29 from the corner of his 74 looks overall. I mean, it, it, I think that it, it'll start to balance out eventually. I can't see Jalen McDaniels being a 28% shooter from the corner his the entire season. So I'm going to save you here because you sat on the fence on, on who you'd replace him in the rotation with. A bu- book night or Thor, probably one of the two. It, it, see, they, they, it, it, I probably, I guess, probably book night just because 
You see, I think it'd be thought. Yeah. For for positional purposes, it probably would be. Absolutely. If if you want to keep that defense, that same kind of role, that length, rebounding, um, Thor is Thor is what you want. And I think he's also shown he's got enough on offense to not completely kill you. Um, and I think, you know, from from watching the G League game the other day, from what reading between the lines, I think JT Thor has earned Borrego's trust just as much as Book Knight, if not more. So I think Thor is where I would go. I, I think like you make a great point. While the team is winning, it's hard to drop someone out of the rotation, especially when we've been defending better and Jalen McDaniels is a big part of that. But like you said, his shooting has been horrible. The big problem that I've had watching Jalen recently isn't that he's been missing shots. It's that I feel like he's been getting more aggressive and I don't know if he's trying to shoot his way out of the slump, but I just looked over the past seven games, his his usage percentage is up at 16%. Before those seven games, it's at 13 so you're talking like a pretty sizable increase there. Like 13 is what I'd kind of expect for like a defense first role player off the bench who essentially shoots when they're open. But recently watching McDaniels, he's been getting the ball like off one pass. There's been like the, the someone dribbles at the court. There's one screen, he catches the ball and he's pulling the trigger and you're a bit like, oh, okay. Like if you're, you know, an Aldous Kloboka and you're on the floor purposely for your floor spacing, I understand as soon as you get a little bit of light, you, you let the ball go because that's what you're on the court to do is to make shots. I don't feel like Jalen McDaniels is on the floor just specifically for that. And he's been getting more aggressive and the ball's been going less. And I think that's what's made it look uglier and kind of made, prompted this conversation that I wanted to have because I feel there's been a couple of times that Borrego has not been hoppy, happy with McDaniels' shot selection. And it's weird he's like got so much more confident, but maybe a little bit in a bad way because now he's taking shots that actually Borrego and the offense don't want him to take, and he's not making them. Yeah, well, that that's a good point, actually. And I th- part of it could be that he has improved like as a shot creator. Like he's better at it than he was as a rookie or even last year. Maybe it's it's he's no he like sub, no consciously knowing that he's better at it, he tries to take more advantage of it now that he isn't shooting well from like a standstill or as a from on spot up shots when he just gets the open shots that come as a result of the defense collapsing on the Hornets, like top three or four options on offense. I mean, it maybe he's just pressing through it and taking advantage of his like improved skills that, but they're not necessarily improved enough for him to, you know, efficiently take advantage of them. He's just getting to a spot and then not making a shot or something, which is up in a way like compounding his issues, but I don't know. I, I, th- I are you hopeful that he'll, I mean, at least start shooting better fairly soon. He's been a pretty good shooter his whole career. So I feel like it'll, it may, I don't think, cause at the beginning of the year, he was like 44, 45%. I don't think it'll go back to that, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not like 38 or 39 by the end of the year. I'm sure it will balance out for what it's been last few games. I, I don't think he is a like, I don't think he's a good three-point shooter. I think he's an adequate one. So in that 35 to 37 range is expect where I expect him to come up. But it will go up if he starts taking easier shots, um, starts taking more open shots with a little bit more time. Um, I've, I've not loved his shot selection or his offensive decision-making recently. I mean, he hit a big, he did hit a big shot tonight against the Knicks, a long two, just as the Knicks were kind of mounting a little bit of a 
of a run in the in the, the towards the end, but I just want him to tone it down a little bit. He's he's just getting a little bit too trigger happy, and that's that's not his style. That's not what we what we have him on the team for. Um, his defensive rebounding has gone down as well as ceiling block numbers. He's just not. I feel like he's changing his game a little bit. He's going a little bit too much like Kelly Oubre. We need we need <laughs> to tone down the Kelly Oubre influence on Jalen McDaniels. That's my feelings. Yes, we have a Kelly Oubre. We need we one. one. Kelly, we need one Kelly two. Oubre and one Jalen McDaniels. <laughs> not not two of, of either one. So yeah. Hopefully, yeah. We'll, we'll, Jay, I, we'll see what happens with Jalen in the, in the coming games. Uh, he, they've got a fair – he's got a, a pretty good opportunity to play a good amount of minutes against Oklahoma City coming up. I imagine that that game won't necessarily be close. Hopefully, he'll play a lot in that one. It'll help. Although, I, we shouldn't say that because they just lost to Orlando. So well, I, I was about to say, you yeah. are disrespecting – <laughs> okay, Sebum been way better than Orlando this yeah, year. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. So we'll, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But all right. Lastly, you wanted to talk about a tweet that was liked from the Twitter account of Lamella Ball. Jay, I don't have the tweet up in front of me, but James does. So take I do. Um, I do, and and I've I've not tweeted about this really at all because. I know how it will get discussed on NBA Twitter and it will be will be not dealt with with the required nuance that the, the Lamello stands will get a hold of it for yeah, sure. That I, I don't want to feed that engine, but I, I want to talk about it because look, when something like this happens and you're a podcaster, you have to touch on it. So um the other day it's, it's some an account tweeted out, I don't see the point JB is doing. Playing Lamelo for seven minutes in a quarter and putting him in the most difficult situations, he could have started Lamelo in the fourth and tried to close this game out. It's as if Lamelo played the full third quarter. So frustrating. Lamelo liked the tweet, then quickly unliked it. Now that came a couple of days after Lamelo reshared Kevin Durant's post with the where Kevin Durant I think quoted after in a post game like play me until I die out there or something <laughs> along those lines. Which that, that, I found that to be very funny, by the way. I, I think he played like 40 something minutes and he said, let me die out there was his exact yeah. quote, which is very, such a Kevin Durant thing to say. It is. And most NBA players will always want to play. Like no, not many NBA players are like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, going to check out this game. Early. They're competitors. They've reached the top level by being all out competitors. And that's what Melo wants to do. Now, sharing that one, that raised some, I just say it raised a yellow flag with me. Like, okay, he wants, you know, he wants to play at the end of the games, but like, tell me anyone who doesn't. This tweet crosses the line where this is something if I'm part of the team I'm speaking to LaMelo about. And there's some people, some people, Chase, who've said that LaMelo not playing tonight was actually, uh, was a benching for this, for this tweet. <laughs> That's I've pretty, seen this this theory that's out That's pretty there. good. That's pretty good. Props to the props to them. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. I'm pretty sure no, this is no. a le- legit illness. <laughs> that would not be the way to deal it. No. Deal with it effectively, I don't think. But for me, this tweet, even though it mentions JB, JB Borrego, and it starts with, I don't see the point JB is doing, which actually now I read it doesn't really make very much sense. Yeah, that, that's not But grammatically I, I see what, I, he, what he's saying. I don't see the point JB is trying to make, I think is what he's trying to say. Yeah, or the point I, I think in the what tweet, he's doing or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 
I think the tweet is more about Melo wanting playing time rather than it is anti-JB. I don't think this is something saying, I my head coach is holding me back. I think this is Melo just saying, God, let me, like, let me play. I want to play as much as possible. The other thing to keep in mind is just because Lamelo Ball on Twitter liked this does not mean that Lamelo Ball actually liked it. Exactly. It could have been an agent, his brother. It could have been whatever. Like it could have been someone who's logged into his account who thought he was on his own account. Oh crap! Like I'm on Lamelo's account and undo it. So we don't even know this was Lamelo. That's the other thing to point out there. But it it could be, and he did reshare the Kevin Durant thing, and and it fits the trend. So are you worried about it at all? What are your thoughts? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm definitely. I'm not worried about it. He's he like you said. He's he's especially because he's 20. Like what NBA player doesn't want to play a lot? He he's the face of the franchise. He knows that. Uh, I mean, the team has been playing really well, so I'm sure he wants to be out there in the fourth quarter, like while the team is winning these games all the time, even when they're winning and when they're losing. Like he. He's he he wants like like Kevin Durant said he said let me die out there so if he were to play a full forty eight minutes every single game I don't think you'd hear a single complaint from him but obviously they're not going to do that either uh, I mean I don't I mean I'm kind of with him like he probably could play like a little bit more at the expense of the thirty plus year old Gordon Hayward or Miles Bridges who is an NBA leader in minutes playing like a little bit less. I mean, I, the rotation is very, very short and their best player is not the one that plays the most. So I definitely like from his perspective, I, I totally understand it, it going about, uh, you know, whether it was like accidental or on purpose or not him or whatever, like liking a tweet is not <laughs> like a good way to, uh, you know, add to that situation or it doesn't doesn't help you in any way. But I mean, I don't think it does. It doesn't necessarily hurt him either because it is it is just just a tweet it's not like he like said anything he doesn't say stuff like that in press conferences like he doesn't say anything (laughs) yeah really yeah honestly which is which is good like that it's which is why he's a smart kid like he he knows what he's doing like yeah i I think he said um the other day uh where was it he got i I read somewhere you know when they played the nets and someone spoke there was a video of him and it looked like he was saying oh, you should come play for this team. And LaMelo said, no, I'm good. I'm staying in Charlotte. Do you remember when that whole thing happened? LaMelo was asked about something at a later point. I think it was in the Chris Mannix SI piece, maybe. Mm. And he was like, he was like, he was like, I don't even understand why that turned into a thing. This is what LaMelo said. He's like, I don't even understand why it turned into a thing. Like someone literally asked me, are you staying in Brooklyn tonight? And I said, no, we're going back to Charlotte. And it blown up into some massive thing. I don't even get it. Like, so he obviously knows and he's obviously frustrated with the world that everything he says turns into a headline or, and something like that, which he does not want. But he's got to control himself. If this was the Mellow's people, like, he needs to not do that because you were drawing unwanted attention to absolutely. Right. And, and let's not forget, at the start of this season, remember, Lamelo got benched for Ish Smith in a game. And that all kicked up a fuss. And Lamelo said after the game, like, ride Ish, he was playing well. So even if there's an element of him that is like, oh, I want to be playing, there is also that element that he understands it's a team game and it can't all just be about him and we can't just bend everything around the mellow. Um, he understands that. He's shown that already this season. But we have to touch on this kind of thing. If, if you're coming up to free agency, this is probably a much bigger story uh, because you know you, people aren't happy with our role. Right now, he's got another two years on his rookie style contract. We don't have to worry. 
But I, I do agree. Lamelo playing a little bit more, him not getting into foul trouble would help that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Absolutely. He's not. He's not entire. Like there have been games where it's worth not necessarily playing him thirty-eight minutes or something. It's not like it, it, he. No. Nobody is is blameless or anything or whatever in this whole situation that's been like weirdly transpiring this whole season. And I think in the exact game that this was tweeted out about, um, it was it was one where he was in foul trouble. Uh, and and what, like, what, at least one of those, he always does a thing where he misses a shot he thinks he should make. He then decides to pick up the opposing guard full court and like, like try and really show his frustration by full court pressing him. And the guy just like runs into him and picks up a foul. That's happened so many times this year. And he's just got to cut that out of his game. Um you know, Melo just plays with so much pure joy and an intuitive feel to his game. He has got better learning the game and actually understanding how to make reads and the progressions you need to make. But he's still got a long way to go there, which is why his ceiling's so high. Because at the minute, he's he's still playing, I'd say, like 75% of talent. But as he grows up, he'll be able to play slower, more methodical and understand, right, oh, here's the mismatch. Oh, this person's hot. Which he already does an okay job of, but he can do even better. All right. I think that's all we had planned for today. I feel like this one ended up a little bit shorter than normal. I don't remember what time we started recording, but anything else uh, before we get out of here today? Nothing else, I don't think. I mean, we can we can touch a little bit on Hornet's schedule coming up here. Um, I'll be in Boston on Wednesday. I mentioned that on the last show, but. I will be there live watching our Hornets at TD Garden on on ESPN too. That's the I don't remember when their last national TV game was, but what are going to be your game day? What's your game day fit? What you, what are you going to be wearing for the uh, for your to rep your Hornets? I don't know. That's a great question. Are I you going to really... rep your Hornets, or are you going to kind of go into the the sea of Boston green and just cower? Yeah, see, I kind of go like incognito when I go to like any game. Really, like I don't. Um, like the only time I don't wear, like, I guess when it comes to basketball games, I don't wear like either teams, like merchandise a lot of the time. I don't know why, but when I go, I only wear stuff. Like when I go to baseball games, I wear like a Yankees hat and then like, nor, I don't know why I don't, I wear, I have like jerseys and stuff, but I just like hang them up and like, look at them in my closet and go, ah, I'm glad I have this. I, I never why? like, I why never put not, it on my back. Why do you not I'm, wear I'm, your team stuff? I'm su- I'm weird. Like I have like a whole, I wear like t-shirts and stuff, but it's, it's freezing. So I'm, you're not, I'm not going to have a t-shirt on at any point on Wednesday. So I, I don't have any, like any, I don't have any team of any sport sweatshirt. Now that I think about it, that's a hole in my wardrobe. I have no sweatshirt of any sports team at all. I, when I went I'm to, coming to this revelation right now, but when I went to Charlotte, I bought a purple Hornets um, hoodie, which I absolutely loved. And the day COVID broke out, I lost it. So I say it's COVID stole it essentially. Like I, I thought it was lost. I thought I left it in my work office, which I then couldn't go in for like five, six months because of COVID or whatever. Um, and then when I went back in, I was like, oh, I'm finally going to be reunited with my hoodie. It was gone. So, <laughs> oh, that was probably the most heartbreaking it loss was. of a sweatshirt that you've ever had. Because the suspense probably killed you for five yeah, to six because months. You, I can't reorder it. You know, it's not oh, like yeah. you pop to the team store. It, it's not on the team store. So I can't even get it, like re-get it again. It's it's a real nightmare. So, uh, yeah, but that, that should be fun. Watching the, I mean, it should be a good game. Celtics. Hornets had the Celtics number early in the year, but... Um, 
Boston been playing a little bit better recently. Yep. Um, I, I, I'll be interested to see how the game goes. Where are your seats? Where are you sitting? So I am in section three. So shout out to my brother for getting me these tickets, by the way. Shout Great. out to his brother. I love, love that guy. He's got me excellent tickets for my girlfriend and I for Christmas. So it's section three. It's kind of like if you're looking like in like the Ticketmaster StubHub like stadium view, how it shows you from above with the seats like all around in a circle. It's kind of, it's like parallel with one of the baskets. So like not like almost where it turns to like being a corner seat or in the baseline, but so like right along the, the end of the like baseline part of the court. So pretty awesome. good seats. I'm very excited. Yeah. What are you, what are you most excited to see or who you most excited to see? Lamella. I've never seen Lamella play. I'm, I'm excited to see Lamella. I, I, the last Hornets game I saw was the, like a preseason game and that was two years ago. So never seen Lamella. I uh, haven't seen Hor- uh, Gordon Hayward as a Hornet either. Uh, I'm 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 very excited. It's it's been too long. Very, hey, we'll get booed. Razier might get booed too. Do you think? Uh, no, Terry won't get booed. They Boston liked him a lot. I think I don't. Hayward Hayward definitely will, but I don't. I don't think Terry will. Well, for our next podcast episode, we need to use your um, fo- you need to use a photo. Ah, yeah. From from your trip as the uh, cover image for the next podcast episode. So. Uh, we can do that. But hey, I'm excited for you on Thursday, uh, Wednesday. Have a good time. Hey, I will. I appreciate that. They, yeah, then they got two games, Oklahoma City and Atlanta after that. It's a nice uh, like stretch here of not playing many games on the road consecutively. Like they went to New York and Boston back home. That's not a, that's that's not a bad road trip at all, opposed to the ones they had been getting earlier in the year. So I mean, after... So after OKC and Atlanta, they got two road games again, the Raptors and Indiana. But then after that, they've only got three road games between the 3rd oh, of wow. February and the 28th of February. That's that's good. Yeah, see, the, the it's really bouncing out from the beginning of the year when they took those that's, two that's long That's three West road, road games in 13 to end yeah, February. That's well, awesome. Pretty much for the whole month of February, they only go on the road three times, which is – Pretty exceptional. And, and there's a lot of winnable games there. I mean, they play like the best team they play in that whole time is probably like Miami or Memphis. Could Which be. Could, yeah. Are all beatable. But how lucky have the Hornets got that Bam has missed all this time? I swear the Hornets haven't played Miami once and Bam's coming back and we play them like twice in the next month oh yeah he'll be he'll be like rounding into shape when he when the hornets get to him yeah like yeah it's it's perfect timing like the the one eastern conference matchup that doesn't involve an elite center which usually it would but you'd just be getting lucky with like injury timing but of of course and let's also not forget toronto we got them three times in in between like late jan and early feb Earlier in the season, they're missing all the guys. Everyone's getting back now, and they're all healthy, and they're playing really well. So, I, I don't, I've not watched Toronto at all this year because normally we play them, and we just haven't played them once yet. But we're about, we're about to get a lot of Raptors over the next uh, over the next month. Yeah, I haven't watched much of Toronto either, but this will be our, our first taste of the Raptors here coming up in the next what week? Yeah, week from the day that we're recording this. But all right, we want to want to let the listeners out of here. Let's let him go. All right. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of At The Hive Live. James and I very much appreciate it. We will see you guys in about a week. Have a good one.